When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 hello 2021, hello to our listeners, hello to all the She Podcasters and She Podcast fans. This is Jessica Kupferman. Um, we are on episode 297, almost at 300. Freaky things are happening, but yes. before I get to that, let me just introduce my co-host, the delicious Elsie Escobar. And then with us is always the very juicy John Jamingo. Wow. It's a good word, right? Juicy's good. Juicy is good. Hey, Shaletta. Shaletta, Shaletta. Shaletta had the funniest. I know I sent it to Elsie over the Christmas break, but the fu- I saw the funniest video. Shaletta's husband was buying her snow pants. And he said he took an hour's trying to decide whether or not he should buy the size she needs or the size she said she needs. And he ended up buying the size she said she needs. And then Shaletta posted a video of him trying to help her wiggle into them. And he's like pulling the things up. She's like bracing against the counter. And she's like (laughs) trying to like wiggle herself. It was so flipping funny. I never saw anything so funny before. I was like, damn, that's hilarious. She was um, so serious. Shaletta, you were so, she was so serious. serious about it. And the it. best Both part of you... is she got them on. Well, I know I'm you so, did. I was so happy. She did. But also, but all I'm saying is that there was very, very serious commitment to getting those pants. Like, there was no, la- like, it was just like, let's do this thing. This That's is a serious man. matter. That's a good man you got there. How comfortable can that be? Being well, I think once you're in it, once it's they fine. were in, it it's was just fine. The it's okay. the pulling. It's the pulling. So I don't like tight things. So funny. I- I like loose. Have you never I mean I maybe the whole skinny or tight jeans phase like passed you by in like the Whoa. late eighties, but that shit was tight. Yeah. Yeah. It I was hard to get into it. those. I had to I lay down on the understand. bed to pull them up. Yeah, if I was great. Uh, I could have had the nickname Droopy Drewers in the eighties Oh, that's the, unfortunate. Yeah, I know. That's probably for a lot of reasons, I would guess. I had no no um, back no butt. Yeah. Me too. Right, anyway, anyway, so um, so here we are today. We have a lot to talk about. Firstly, Happy New Year to everyone who we haven't talked to since before Thanksgiving. I hope everyone's holiday was good. I hope everyone's Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's and everything has been good. When you hear this, tomorrow... Well, if you hear it on the exact day that it comes out, which is Friday the 15th, that is the day before my birthday. Woohoo! Oh. And then we are doing a birthday special. So check out our social media for a special birthday surprise from Elsie and I to you, even though it's my birthday. Hers is about two or three weeks later. So we always try to run like a special birthday present in between our birthdays even though she's turning way older than me like way i am i am way so older, much than, older than jessica <laughs> she's actually like five months younger than my husband nope she's older no you're younger he he turns the age in june and then you hit it in february and then he turns the new age so yeah about seven months older is my husband so technically we're the same age even though she and scott will die first which is what matters anyway <laughs> Hey. <laughs> Let's face uh, it, I'm dying first. Uh, Honestly, it would just be my luck. Well, all right. But, you know, Let's you are way, talk about that. You're way, so way not, older than listen, them even. We are not talking about this. We this okay, is not something fine. we want to be right about. You're right. Or talk about it. We were trying to come up with a contest to run and I was like, "Can we run a contest where they guess how young I could get away with and that's how they win?" Like, if they could just tell me like how young could I look? And lie about it. Like, maybe they could win something that way. Like, Rebecca oh and I gosh. were talking but about But then, it. Jess, that would be something like, oh, you look like you're 18. Well, that's you know clearly I mean? horse shit, though. I mean, like, I would, yeah, but- I would buy 39. Well it, de- if- well, it depends on when. I think it depends on when. Because I was thinking, like, if you are still 
and you don't move like this, if you're like, you know, like, or a good, a good angle, then you could pass for much younger. And I'm saying you as a general, not you, Jessica. If I had a blur stick and some filters, then yeah, I probably could look 29. But it's also I'd need to lose like 100 pounds. The neck always gives it away. Well, my neck is nice and firm because it's like really bulging out there these days. So (laughs) it's like real smooth, real smooth. It's like mostly made of butter from Christmas cookies is like just it just buttered up my chin. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So speaking of looking younger, that gives me a really good segue into some tech stuff that like I just wanted to I just wanted to breeze over just breeze breeze over it for a minute if that's okay so the first thing is Elsie because I keep forgetting to tell you that did you notice that zoom has new studio filters something called a studio filter you told me this when we were having our phone call but I did not find them and maybe it's because I hadn't up but but yes you told me I have not seen them so on your next Zoom, take a look-see in your settings, in audio and video. And like okay. sometimes it will say like choose a virtual background. On the bottom right is a new link called Studio Effects Beta. Turn it on and you can darken your eyebrows. You can put on lipstick. You can like have a nice healthy glow to the face. I wish they would do eyelashes, but you know, they do facial hair. Which is not helpful for half the population, but the lipstick is cool. Just don't put your hand over your face because the lips will show up on your hand. That's unfortunate. But, um, and also you gotta be real careful that that, those eyebrows look subtle. Cause if you're like me and you don't have a lot, like I, I darken my eyebrows on them, but then like I went, I, I did a one up and down too fast and they couldn't keep up and it looks strange. <laughs> So use that sparingly, but just take a look at it. It's really cool. Um, That's a new feature in Zoom that I wanted to tell you guys about really quickly. And then these two other things I wanted to bring up because I'm having trouble. So AirPods, I finally fixed. Remember I was telling you guys that my AirPods weren't working because they wouldn't connect to the computer and the iPad and the phone. That was all a matter of updating all the software to like Big Sur and having a phone update and an iPad update. And then after I fixed that, I had a friend tell me, like, my AirPods don't connect to anything. And so if that's happening to you, that's why. It's because you need to upgrade all the software. So if you're not ready, get ready, or your AirPods don't work that way, that well. The Apple ones, meaning, not, not other ones. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was my keyboard, because something happened where, like, I used to have, you know how the, the newer MacBook Pros have, like, a bar on the top where you can reach some stuff like you can touch it so mine used to have brightness and it used to have volume and now it doesn't anymore and then I tried to I tried to get it back by doing something in the settings and I fixed it and it still isn't back so like now when I want to do the volume I can't touch the top of my keyboard I have to use my mouse and go to the top of the screen oh, uh-huh. instead of doing it in the keyboard and I can't figure out why so I just wanted to put that out there in case somebody out there knew how to fix that for me just at shepodcast.com because it's driving me freaking crazy. So your touch bar disappeared. Yes. Thank you. That's what it's called. Yeah. My touch. Right. No, it's there. It just never gives me the thing. So right now, because I have StreamYard open, all it says is search or type URL for Google Chrome. But there should be some stuff on the side that lets me manage like the other parts, but it doesn't. It's really all annoying. Right. All right. That's all I'm going to say for that. And then if you want, we can talk about Clubhouse, which is relatively new. What do you think about that? Sure. I mean, talking about it, not Clubhouse itself. Right. So let's go ahead and do um, really quickly an overview of what Clubhouse is. It is an iOS-only app right now that is invite-only. And the whole premise is so it's sort of like <laughs> it's like an audio-only Zoom call with no video. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yes. It's, it's that. It's like a giant group call. And um, yeah. And but then people worse, have been using... I'm sorry? Because worse though, because Zoom has chat. Right. Zoom has chat. So this there is no chat in Clubhouse. You can't like anything. You can't can't... like anything either. So it's just talking. It's like a giant and then you can see people's little circles in there and then there can be like group moderate not group yeah, group moderate clubhouse or club moderators where you lead a discussion. You can have people like do like it they can have like a different um, you know, people taking turns talking about a specific subject, stuff like that. 
And people just come in there and have been creating clubs left and right. And again, it's very exclusive still. You you have to share your actual phone number with whoever is going to be inviting you in to Clubhouse. I didn't realize And when that. you give away your invites. I'm sorry? I didn't realize that either. Yeah. So you have to do that. Or here's the other thing. If I think that there's a place that you can go. And please, those of you watching that know where to go request and to um, put away your username, because you can do that without getting an invite. So like you can kind of like put that on hold if you want to join Clubhouse, but nobody has given you an invite. Then if if you do join or somebody who has joined and has invites already, when you go into the platform, it will tell you if there are, if you're connected with them in social in some way. It'll say, do you want to give, like I'm using you, Jess, even though you're already in there. Do you yeah. want to give Jessica access? And then all I have to do is say yes. And then you're in. So then I, th- I don't have to share my number or your so number. You don't have I to share your number. I think what's happening there is if you've connected Twitter and Instagram, which is all it connects to right now, then if Clubhouse sees that one of your connections wants an invite, they will just blast it out to everyone who's connected to them. No, you just probably because that's what happened with mm-hmm. me. You just happened to see me first, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was there, but also because I'm connected with you on the phone. And also, Carrie brings up the, the the other thing too is oh, that country, country codes, codes matter. matter. Oh. So it's also primarily U.S. based. That's what I I can say because I don't know enough about it to really speak into that. There have been ways that people have gotten a um away with being to joining Clubhouse that are outside of the U.S. But I think that you have to jump through some hoops in order to do that. So it's a little bit um, on the hack side of things. Um, Miss Carly Nemo, I'm calling you out even though you're not here. You're probably sleeping, Miss Australia. Yes. But I know that you got yourself into Clubhouse, so why don't you send in some audio feedback? I'm asking you to do it. This is your homework to tell us how you hacked in. And look at Lena. Lena is once again upset. She gave us the angry emoji. Well, because poor Lena. Lena, well, mind you, she's not in the U.S., and she's also a pioneer where she, she is a pioneer, but she can't even talk to us on our text, our community. I know, stuff. it sucks. Ooh, speaking of, I forgot to send you guys a text today that we were doing this. She deserves so much, so much more, so much more. So speaking of community, there's our community uh, at the bottom, 302-240-3425. Please go ahead and opt into that and you'll get texts from me at this moment. Yep. Um, and we will expand it this year to involve more communication from our team. But it is like, you know, one-on-one stuff. This is not a lot of marketing-specific text. Experience. Yeah. We've joined the elite. The only other communities that I'm signed up for are Amy Schumer and like J-Lo. And, that's, and I only signed up for J-Lo so I could see what it was like before I knew we were going to commit to it. But she sent out some very racy photographs for christmas what a christmas gift if you're a j-lo fan <laughs> so i'm gonna say they were crazy because she has a new album anyway um i know i already know more about j-lo than i ever intended <laughs> <laughs> you're correct but anyway coming back to clubhouse so that's yeah what it so is. back to clubhouse so so that's what it is and now i can also report that up until this weekend and maybe still continuing i wasn't too sold on the usefulness of Clubhouse because the few times that I've been in there, it was mostly just people telling me how to use Clubhouse and how to monetize with Clubhouse and how to get clients with Clubhouse and how to like, you know, all the shit that everyone does on every other thing. So if you're on LinkedIn, people will tell you how to do that on LinkedIn. If you're on Facebook, people will tell you how to do that on Facebook. And I don't need another class, another lesson, another guru and another thing to fiddle with. So I was like, and we're done here. But over the weekend, Ramona invited me to a Dave Jackson roundtable where it was like me and Dave and Rob Greenlee and Ramona and a couple other people that I haven't spoken to in a really long time. And Dave was saying that what he likes about it is the same thing that he used to like about it during, you know, in podcast movement when they were young, that you have the opportunity to talk to people in there since it's new that you would never have the opportunity to talk to elsewhere that like if somebody sees that you're in a 
room about podcasting and they're a podcaster, they can sort of just pop in there. And so like, I think also in the group was like Cliff Ravenscraft and Michael Stelzner or people that I haven't spoken to since they, you know, hit it big or whatever. So it was kind of a treat to see them because it did kind of remind me of those, not that you would know Elsie, but those late night bar conversations at, at conferences where you get to like hobnob, like, like John remembers because some of the earlier MapCon ones were you and me and Dave Jackson and Rob Greenlee and Mark Asquith and um, Ramona and Emily Prokop and like just people that you got a chance to get to know because it was a conference. It was a smaller conference and every everyone was there. So Clubhouse does kind of have that feeling in the sense that like everyone is there and you have access to them at this moment. I also have recently discovered that the thing that I like best about serving our community in general is like the Q&A, like the, the spontaneous, I have a question for you that I can answer because it keeps my brain sharp, not knowing what the questions are going to be. I like being able to talk through problems with people. And so I was thinking I could utilize Clubhouse for those types of activities that I enjoy. But I can also do that on Facebook. I can also do that in our group. I can do it on our page. I can do it on Instagram and Reels. I already have 8,000 places where I could utilize things without doing Clubhouse, but it is the latest thing. So I'm kind of like, you know, trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's very business focused. But Carrie, is that because when you tell them your interests, you know, is it like TikTok in the sense that when you tell it your interest or when you pop into groups, they start showing you more of that shit? Like, yep. if you hit explore and look up like something insane, like pickling cucumbers or something like would it only be about pickling i don't know why that came out also i don't know but um i'd be interested to know like how much we should play with it in order to do that but you know also i'm one of those people that like and i'm very sorry to say this because i know there are those of you who do this to me and i'm just going to apologize now audio messages for me are a fucking nightmare so the whole clubhouse concept is a nightmare for me because Like if Isaac's here, I can't listen to something else. If he's not here and I'm sitting with Scott, we work next to each other. We're usually watching something or talking. Like I can't just be like on my phone. And I, if I have it in my earbuds, then he'll just talk to me and I'll pretend to listen. We don't want that in a marriage. So like I can't win with audio messages. I, I want to hear them, but it's not conducive to my lifestyle at this time. Like I love that for you but I don't love it for me. It's not my journey. So I'm having a hard time with that. I'm in agreement with that for sure. Because it, it really does depend you on when You're you the can queen talk. Of these. No, no. There's a difference between being on Clubhouse and having an actual like being in a call, right? Or being in a conversation oh. and listening to an audiobook or listening to a podcast because you can always stop it and nobody's going to hear you back if you forget to put mute, Right. So if you have a conversation, not a a big surprise, but I've heard a lot of complaints about misogyny. Yep. Here we go. No, Jenny Wetter, I've got you covered, my love. Absolutely. It's very man-led right now. So in this um, right now, one of the things that really drew my attention is an article from Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair. uh, And the title of the article of Vanity Fair is, quote, you become hostage to their worldview, end quote, the murky world of moderation on Clubhouse, a playground for the elite. And it is a really, really interesting article that I think all of you need to read for sure. Because it it brings awareness to the fact that, and a lot of these companies that once they become popular, most of the leadership or even the devs or anybody who has an idea, they always think about all of the good that can come from an idea and they build it out and they get funded on the dream, but they forget how a lot of our ideas can often be used for evil or for Purposes that we never even knew were possible. And there are some things in there, uh, particularly in that article, that it really talks about some anti-Semitic statements that were made. And like, you can't really even dock people. can't argue. There are some practices in there to report said conversation. Um, But there are a lot of, of groups in there, too, that may be talking about stuff that is simply not true. Like, they are continuing misinformation they are just 
talking about stuff that isn't necessarily happening here. And because it is, again, somebody's at the podium and somebody's speaking, it sounds like it's true. And there's no vetting. There is no marking things like on truths. There is no fact checking. There's no um, blocking people. There's no, like, you don't have any of that inside of Clubhouse. That happens everywhere. I mean, like, if we're talking specifically about, let's just say our industry and not flat earthers, right? But if you're just talking about our industry, there are podcast consultants out there everywhere that are giving people the wrong information. And then then Dave Jackson complains about how they call into Lipson support and he has to reteach everything because whatever person taught him was a moron. Right. That happens with or without Clubhouse. Right. But we're not talking about just people being morons. We're talking about the responsibility of somebody (laughs) that builds a tool and then other people use it and then they don't set up safety features. It's sort of like you build the the movie theater. It's amazing, but you didn't really build any fire exits. But you okay? can't monitor. So then whose fault is that? Sorry, y'all that are in you here. You can't we monitor for- we- every piece of misinformation out there. And you can't always decide what's misinformation and what's not. If you get into that murky water, it can be very dangerous. Like I realize this is now getting into the conversation about the United States president and whether or not he should have been banned or not banned. But let me just say this, like if it's clearly false... Because scientists have already discovered the opposite. That's one thing. But even there, you'd have to monitor every goddamn tweet and every goddamn clubhouse. And how is someone at clubhouse supposed to hear every word that's spoken when there's no script, no chat, no text, no likes, no nothing, nowhere to argue, nowhere to complain, nothing. So it's, yeah, they've built this. I mean, I guess what what I'm saying is like what you're asking for on most platforms is unrealistic. Even on Facebook, the only reason that like it happened the way it happened is because he's the president of the United States, like because he's the most powerful person technically in the world and he's using those platforms for evil instead of good. But if it were me doing it, if I decided to tell everyone about the flat earth, no one would care because I'm no one. Well, Jess, I think that the problem here is that we can't do this. You can't do it, right? I think that part of it is that we have to have a responsibility. And if it were up to, like, here's the thing. In that article, with the the Vanity Fair article, they actually did speak with some folks that have expertise in moderation, in making sure that things are taken care of, in the privacy and safety of the users. They did consult them. But then even in lieu of that, they decided or at this point have not made steps to having somebody on the team that can really spearhead something like that. So I'm not here to talk about whether or not people should be banned and all of that stuff. I'm talking about when we build things. It is our responsibility to make sure that we are taking care of the people that come into our rooms. The end. This isn't like, oh, I can't moderate. Oh, I can't. Listen, for people that come into my house, I need to make sure that those people are taken care of. It's my responsibility. You also don't even know who's listening in Clubhouse. You don't know if these conversations are being recorded and going somewhere. You don't know what the security or the back end protocols are for, you know, being hacked. You don't know any of that stuff at this moment. I think there was something in your article about people recording it and stuff. But I mean, the main point of the Vanity Fair was your, yeah, you're hostage to their worldview. You have no way of, if you are learning something that someone says they can teach, you have no way of having any kind of like opposing Is this view. True? Yeah. Or, yeah, any of that stuff. And things go away. So it's like, gone. There's no accountability for what somebody said. It's missing. It's right. Right. So I'm not. And again, I'm not. I don't think that this is what I'm talking about here is are you willing as a responsible creator of media, of platforms, of communities, of all of these things? We cannot just go somewhere and just be like, hey, everybody, everybody's welcome. There has to be a thoughtfulness and a strategy about how are we going to take care of our people? In what way can we be helpful? How is our intention actually going to not be harmful to some folks? That's it. It's just being proactive in that and to invest in people to help you out to figure that stuff out. So it's not about like, I can't monitor everybody. Right. 
We can't. But at this, if you want to build that, it is, I do feel that it is our responsibility to make sure that everybody's taken care of. It, that's just what it is. And I had to learn that, you know, even when I was teaching yoga, it is really, really hard when you're planning an amazing class and somebody comes in and goes like, oh yeah, I'm recovering from this. I, I had a class that did this. I'm recovering from breast cancer. I just got out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. I broke, and this is another person. I just, I messed up in my lower back. And then another person's like, I, my, my shoulder, I had a, I have a, a re, relocated shoulder and they're all in my class. And I sit there and I'm like, okay. So it's my responsibility to keep them safe. Even though the majority of the class were able-bodied people, I have to make sure that the person who just got out of the hospital because she's recovering from breast cancer. That's not relevant to Clubhouse because. No, all I'm saying is that I don't care. It's it's a a larger conversation that people need to be mindful. And just because it's the newest, shiniest toy and it seems like really, really cool, you have to always know where you're inviting your people and – to make sure that you protect them in the best way as possible. So that means that you, as you moderate the rooms, you need to be aware, how do we protect the people who are joining here? What is appropriate? What is not appropriate? What? Just answer that for yourself and have somebody make sure that it's fine and it's safe. That's all. Do you think it would be appropriate to put on the speaker application if you're Republican, see yourself out? Dude. <laughs> I mean, how far are you supposed on, to dude. go exactly? I think that there's a worldview that we all need to like the you, the way that you live your life is a way that you're going to make. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with that, but I just thought. Yeah, but you can't like it's like no because I think that that's really reductive. I think it's reductive and being able to do well, something it like makes that. a lot of assumptions about people based on who they voted for president. When you know, I think a lot of those people who did vote that way for president didn't vote because they voted for him. They voted on issues that they can't avoid. So. Right. So it's it's a lot more nuanced in so many different things. Yeah. And then we hope that those folks are um, helping out in creating safe spaces and are thinking about these things. But historically speaking, sticking to tech, the tech industry in Silicon Valley tends to err on the side of not thinking about these things. Right. And so, getting back to the topic of misogyny, one of the things that I noticed as I went in and was just looking around, there were some rooms that said – podcasting and for women and yeah, I was ladies like, in podcasting it's yeah called. and i was like eh, i don't think i'll be going in there but it does say all are welcome oh really because I, I maybe and again this is the one i saw it said for women so i was like uh, okay but women, i didn't know well see again when if it says for women i'm not going i'm not going in i there. went in there would you like to know who was speaking no i don't care it's for women not women it's fine <laughs> well then you'll see that's why I didn't go in there because that's where you get the misogyny. If they're in there for women, then why would I be in there? That's all I'm the saying. Default. I respected that's the fact that it's for women and I didn't go in. And yeah. I won't. That's all. But most gurus will not do that. They go into those groups and they want to speak so that they can teach because they are the guru in question. It doesn't occur to them that other people might also be a guru that doesn't have a penis. <laughs> But alas, all right, so if you have, you know, your little, we would love to hear feedback from you uh, if you email feedback at shepodcast.com about Clubhouse and your your personal experience with Clubhouse as somebody who has found something outside, and I think that this is what I'd love to hear, outside of, this is going to be an amazing strategy to grow my expertise in my field, okay? Let's go to like building community and something that you didn't know, connecting with somebody that you didn't know or you learned something or you had access to something or someone that you didn't have before and how that was impactful to um, to you. That's what I'd like to know. So if we can that, that keep it to that, that would be amazing. Right on, right on. All right. So we do have, speaking of like privacy and all of that stuff, I think doesn't SaneBox offer some like really great things when it comes to management of email and, you know, spam? Yes. No misogyny there. Just kidding. Um, so SaneBox, if you go to SaneBox.com, is a system that keeps your inbox clean, basically. So I've been using it for a couple of months. Now I have the following folders, okay? I have my inbox, which never gets higher than 50, only gives me the most important stuff. 
And then I have an archive of stuff that I've already looked at and dealt with. And then I have a black hole, which is where I put people that I want to unsubscribe to, but I don't want to tell them. So basically you're unsubscribed because it goes into the black hole folder. I have a CC folder where I've been CC'd on something, um, but no one has necessarily written back, I think. And then I made one folder for all people who talk to me about a specific topic. I have one called Sane Later, which does all the, not newsletters, but the other stuff. Here's your welcome gift. And here's, you know, here's your information on your target order. And, you know, your box account has been updated. That kind of stuff is in the Sane Later. And then the news for everything newsletter, everything that's newsletter you know, from newsletter at like wallstreetjournal.com, all that stuff, every business newsletter, every podcast newsletter, all the news in one place so you can ignore what you need. Um, it's been pretty good because I have to say when my inbox get gets over 50, I start to get twitchy. I'm just, you know, like that's my limit for feeling unorganized is if there's more than 50 because because in Gmail, you can only see 50 at a time. So for me, if I can't see it, then it's like I'm going to panic that I'm missing something. So Sanebox has been really helpful for me to at least feel like, okay, I know what's happening. I know what's happening in there because all the important stuff is there and all the other stuff goes somewhere else where I can deal with it later. So it's been really good. It's not expensive. It is under $20 a month. If you go to sanebox.com, check them out. They have a free trial. See if it helps you get organized. If you are one of those people whose inbox is constantly giving you agita like me, um, it will help you. I can't say it will cure your ADHD. I don't think that's possible. Certainly not by an email productivity tool, but it does cure that panic that comes with doing everything wrong and being behind and feeling like you can't get your shit together. It did cure that on some level for me. So I'm very grateful to Samebox. Samebox.com. Thank you and good night. Thank you and good night. So it brings you sanity. Same box sanity. brings you sanity. Well, that's that's a lot for any app to do, but it does make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on now. Like, well, let's say congratulations to our friends, and I'm saying our friends, even though I'm not really friends with them at all. But alas, we tend like we're friends because we use them all the time. Streamyard. Oh my god! Totally thought you were going to talk about the Golden Crane Awards. I'm like, we're friends with them. No, no, no. Streamyard <laughs> was bought by Hopin. Which Hello. is like a, you know, events, virtual events platform for $250 million. I Ooh, mean. shakalaka. Oh, my gosh. So what do you think they're going to want to do with StreamYard? Scrap it and use it for parts? No, according to TechCrunch, they're going to leave it alone. It seems to me it's really going to give them the ability to scale faster StreamYard to be able to, I'm sure, be able to hire more people to implement some of the requests that they have gotten because they historically have been very bootstrapped, StreamYard has. they. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's a very big, I, I mean, I don't know, John, if you know much more extra in terms of the behind the scenes, but I do believe that it's a very small team, maybe like two or three. <laughs> oh, it was the two, Gage, and I can always never remember the other guy's name, but Gage, there was when I went to schedule this, there was a video in there. Gage had a video in there and talked about it. They said they're going to leave it alone. Yep. They started out with just the two of them, mm-hmm. and now they are they have a, a company of 20 people, and now they're going to the new company, and they have a, they're about 300 people. So it's right. going to be able to schedule it. It's going to be separate. And uh, you know how I love StreamYard, and if they start doing other things like making it where we can separate audio and stuff like that, it's going to be a game changer for podcasters, in my humble opinion. On the top of their website, it says, Hope and acquire Streamier to supercharge virtual events. So that's what they want to use it for. Yeah, to be able to do like um, the way that uh, Hoover uses Zoom, because it's like kind of incorporated in there, which is, I think is, I mean, it's a fabulous acquisition. But I'm, a, I'm you know, I am a very, very big fan of StreamYard. I, you know, we tested a few uh, platforms and, and I think a lot of them have merit but it really depends on what you want to do. But one thing that StreamYard has going for it is the ease of usability where you don't have to have too many extra tools to be able to make things work. Like, you know, we tried Vimeo Live and although the tool is a lot more like elegant in the way that it works, it really, the way that it processes live, I think requires more bandwidth and better tools from the computer end of things. Like, it requires, I, I just think, more 
more um, memory for whatever you're using to stream. And it doesn't have the easy layouts. Like most things don't have the whole like the way that John is putting our phone number right now at the bottom as it's scrolling here in a moment, where to be able to tap a button and to be able to do something like that and or to change what we're doing in there to be able to put our sponsors quickly in there. Look at the backgrounds are moving. For those of you who are watching, you can see that John can turn those, move those things around and switch them like in a moment. And, and I know that there's ways to do that with other things like Ecamm Live and like OBS and all of these other things that you can use to do this stuff, but not for somebody who's like, like us who can barely just make it behind the microphone. Like all there's too many moving pieces to make all the fancy and StreamYard does a fantastic job doing that. Mm-hmm. So I really like it. What I would like though, John, I think that you've asked this in the past where I think there is a need, at least my my dream thing, it wouldn't even be splitting the audio. That wouldn't be it. It would be uh, being able to give control to a producer like John so that he removes himself not that we don't love to see him. I don't love to see me. You know, but like <laughs> to be able to have somebody be in the back and then run the show. Mm-hmm. And so that people who are in the front can really concentrate just doing what we need to do here. And then we can have conversations, but not having to have them on screen. I think that would be the the last thing that I would need. Because in terms of recording, we can record our own sides of the conversation. And we, at this point, that's do. what we're doing. And we do. So congratulations to the StreamYard guys. Y'all deserve it. You created a wonderful product. You really thought of so many different things. And so that's... Yes. What a paycheck. Yeah. Good for you guys. Oh, my gosh. They hit it big. (sighs) They hit it big. But now we are going to that story that we are talking about, Jess, which is like really congratulations to the Golden Crane Podcast Awards. And yes, we do know them. Right, we, do. we do know them and we are friends with them. Yes. yes. The Golden Crane was done by the Asian American Podcasters Society, the AAP. And they had their podcast awards over the holiday. And let me just read some of the people who got awards. Best Comedy Show, Urgent Care, Best Production, Elementary, Serafina Speaks, Best Interview, Elementary, Little Mind Chats. I just want to shout out Lee for doing that, you know, to and her team and whoever really worked on this stuff because they really did a fantastic job getting the word out for this. And this is one of, I think it is the, one of the strongest uh, indie podcasting focused awards out there that is mm-hmm. really focusing in on the uh, rest of us is what I like to talk about. Not like the top, yeah. not the iHeartRadio awards, not the people that have to like, you know, pay so much money money to just be considered not that you know but just the rest of us in the community and bringing more voices into the mix and making things fun and accessible and so good job lee i i good for you for making it feel inclusive and making it feel good instead of making feel because i what i find with a lot of the awards is like eh, i'm never gonna win that (laughs) you know what i mean well right why bother why bother? It's pointless. Yeah. Um, also, I love the name Golden Crane. It sounds very sophisticated and important. Like, I've got a golden crane under my belt. I like that. All right. I think that's cool. So, um, yeah, just interesting stuff. So congratulations to you guys and all the winners of the Golden Crane Awards. That happened on December 29th. And you can go to... Their website, um, if you want to get on the list for the AAP, which is aapodcasters.org. Yep. So check them out awesome. there. Um, what else? Do we have any? We have more shopping. We had more, more shopping happening in the podcasting space mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Wondre mm-hmm. was acquired by yes. Amazon. Wondery was acquired by Amazon. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wondery was acquired for around $300 million by Amazon. Why would Amazon want what is supposedly advertised as an independent podcast network, which is kind of a stretch, but their stuff is very, very creative? It is a network like the other networks, and they do 
you know, live and work in the city and they have a, a CEO who's very, uh, a very big deal and kind of important. But anyway, what the article says that you'll be able to read in our show notes is that the medium, because of this, could turn a new corner in the new year. Um, the investment follows directly Sirius and Spotify spending hundreds of million dollars to buy other podcasting companies. Wondery was one of the largest existing independent podcast studios and networks. Bloomberg reported in November that Apple was looking at them um, and they bought two other podcast companies and Sony Music has each talked about, you know, has also talked about acquiring it. Um, terms weren't disclosed. The Wall Street Journal reported it was around 300 million. The company has not commented. Um, and then, you know, Amazon is now positioned to translate their audience, the Wondery audience, into ad revenue, something the industry is still figuring out. Well, that's a little bit true, but also a little bit not true. But yeah, we don't have like a huge handle on advertising and podcasting. And and does Amazon? I don't know that they do either. Well, I don't, you know, I don't think that that's what this is about. This acquisition to me is all about content. And it's, and it's what at the bottom part of the article, which is, where is it from? It's from Bloomberg. Um, it says that, you know, when it comes to Wondery's existing listeners, the company could, and this is what I do agree with, and I think that this is the, how, what I speculate about, is that it could experiment with its new podcast network in various ways, such as turning shows into video programming for Prime Video or using Wondery programming to increase engagement for its smart speakers. So I think that there's like something around the content and the the creative of Wondery and their understanding of storytelling and the kinds of stories that they were telling and that, that audience to translate it into another model, which, which I do feel is valuable because even now, like I remember how excited I was when, um, you know, Dirty John came out. I got totally obsessed with Dirty John and then it was made into a series. Yeah, And I like, so I really cool. enjoyed watching Dirty John as a series. In fact, so, you know, lore has been made for sure into something like that as well. So this is a great way to have like all this like cool content, which I think is, is better. It's kind of like a holistic approach to creating something. Now they can create podcasts or have Wondery support um, in terms of, can you imagine you release like a prime movie or prime something specific series and then they have a corresponding advertising and all of the wondry stuff because they do that already they do feed drops all the time but In why fact, do they need wondry to do that they don't they don't because i know a lot of podcasts that i edit for have uh wondry feed drops that they put in during the week i would like to put out an official prediction okay i got one too my prediction you. is that spotify serious Amazon are all going to seriously regret these decisions to make these companies worth hundreds of millions of dollars because they may be worth that in advertising, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Am – I mean, if Amazon doesn't need those companies in order to make advertising dollars and they don't need those companies in order to make original content, they can just – and have been making original content all along. So – why are they buying them? I mean, I like your speculation that it's for, you know, that it's like holistic, well-rounded, like ways of taking brilliant content and turning it into other stuff. So that people can sign up for Prime. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. But what what about in Sirius's case? Like, why would they need Pandora? They already have all the music channels that could ever That want. makes no sense to me. Is it... It could eat their competition, but it wasn't that much competition. Like Pandora was just hanging out doing what they do. I kind of think it's the big three. So it's Apple, now Amazon, and Spotify. They're going to go toe-to-toe with podcasting, music, video. But Sony is in there too. Sirius XM is in there too. They're buying companies for huge amounts of money. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out where the connection is. And I know that the people who are getting the money don't give a shit because they're just like, sure, you can buy me and control me. I don't care. It's $300 million. Fantastic. But what is that money for? Why will it make them better? Why will it make them bigger? Why will it bring them more money? Will it create a monopoly? I can't see any logical reason why this is happening and why everyone is celebrating it. And until I do see that, I just shake my head when they spend all that money and go, okay, I mean, if you think about it from the perspective of like 
If you mirror what's happening or has continued to happen with the platforms like Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus and Hulu and Prime Video and all and Netflix and all that stuff, like they are constantly acquiring not only the ability to stream certain shows that are already created, right? There's that in the movies. And they're also creating their own content. You have hit on something. That is it. They're all trying to be the Netflix of audio. Well, I don't think it's the Netflix of audio. Which is never going to happen. Yeah, but the whole entire ecosystem of the things that they're creating is what is happening here. So it is expanding in a way that they not only have um, creative, right? So they have creative. And so what they're trying to do is not only have the, the mechanism with which to deliver the content, but also have a team that can create to do the creative, which is completely they different. They already had that, though. Right? They have audible. Yeah, but they not have all in that this, shit. But, but what I'm saying is like, it's kind of like saying like, well, for Netflix, for them not to acquire another movie thing or not to acquire. It's like the more the merrier. This is where it all the all the stuff Netflix is rents that stuff. They get contracts with Netflix for X amount of years and then they can renew or not renew. But Netflix doesn't own Adam Sandler. He just no, made but- a contract deal with like a couple of years and then it goes away. Same with Disney. Same with whatever. Like Netflix can buy and sell whatever they want whenever they want. I mean, I know what you're saying, but I'm saying like they don't need these big creative teams. It's not going to be worth what they spent. You and those companies are going to be out on their ass. I agree with that for sure. But that's what they're doing. Isn't it exclusivity too? In other words, Wondery has, you know, their podcasts go out, but if you want to hear it a week earlier, you can go to Wondery Plus. And you You're can correct. Pay. But how well is that doing? But what I read there, John, is so cool. I mean, something that I was like, oh, cool. Now you can get the Wondery Plus thing and all that stuff as part of the Amazon Prime subscription, which is great. So now I have that. I have part of the thing. So it is. I think that Carrie really, you know, she hits it. It's like it literally is keeping their audience on their platform. And if they have that ability to have them that way, because now think about this, Jessica. There's the Wondery stuff for sure. But they also have Audible, which is another like Audible has amazing stuff going on for them as well. And to be able to like cross promote like all of these things like in one place you really wouldn't need to go anywhere else. It's a completely different um, environment than going into Spotify. Like Spotify is a, like those are two separate families, right? It's like, if you go to Spotify, it's one kind of psychographic. If you go over to Amazon Music, Audible slash Wondery, that's a whole other thing. And I don't think that- So then essentially, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. But I think that right now, this inversion, we're not going to see what happens with this until I would say three to five years after this acquisition to see what actually happens. And we might have to come back and grab your what you said, where they might turn around and go, that was a big <laughs> that waste was of money. money right. <laughs> so like Carrie, yeah, so Carrie is saying they're going to do virtual tours where you can buy stuff immediately. The shopping component is coming to podcast content. So what does that mean? You're going to start being able to download episodes two ninety nine at a time. Like the only good thing I can see coming of that for each of these companies is that they will be out of John's sandbox and he will be able to play with his friends the way he did before because there will be no, you know, all these bigger Networks are going to be bought up and they're going to be selling off their episodes one, two dollars at a time. And they're going to have exclusivity on all the content. And then the people who are just podcasting for the glory and fame of it will go back to doing it without having to worry about all these other networks as um, competition. Well, Jess, no, I, I think what Carrie's talking about is not shopping for it's not shopping for audio. It's shopping for products because they have Amazon Prime. So like buying, I want a table, I can with one, through the audio and Alexa and everything in everything intertwined, I'm going to be able to shop while I'm listening to a podcast, a product. Yeah, like I have this big giant coffee mug and now yeah, they can click on, a, that's what we're click on the link. No, not like buying audio. No, no, no. This is like a whole, like a total integration between like set top boxes all of that, the smart boxes and all, all of the things like that that are intertwined inside of Prime and seeing what you're consuming, what's responding. They're now a conglomerate of data of all the different yeah. data points 
of okay, not so only do they sense. have access to what I'm listening to, but they have access to what I'm watching and they have access to what I'm buying all in one okay. place, which is like, right? And they also have the speaker. So in other words, I'm not going to say it because she'll start talking, right. but I have the lady in the disc or the tube and you, I've been experimenting with listening to podcasts on that and I like mm-hmm. it because – some, so what I can do is I'm doing something. It comes to a commercial. I just yell, hey, lady in the disc, skip 30 seconds, skip one minute, and then boom, I'm right back to listening again. So it is kind of neat. But like I said, it, you're just I'm just learning how to use a different technology for when I'm here. Hmm. When I'm in my car, it's totally, you know, it's totally different. I use Overcast and I love it. And now that uh, Elsie's favorite person, Joe Rogan, is on Spotify. <laughs> I find that I, I'm annoyed that I have to go there to listen to him. And I have to I also have to say that I notice that he is very different when he talks because he's on Spotify. He does a lot he does a lot of him and in hall and both siding and stuff like, like he never did before. His show has changed. Yep. Very interesting. And he's not going to be happy and they're not going to be happy because they're going to lose audience. And this is just all a big fucking mistake. But all of it has been a mistake from the beginning. Wall Street, everyone getting into podcasting and trying to make it into some giant business. I mean, it just means that advertisers are pouring their dollars into it. But the people selling it, which I've said for five years now, don't understand what they're selling. So they're selling the wrong thing, which is why it's not... I mean, I thought it wasn't going well, but I still think that these purchases is is more evidence that it's not going well because now they're taking drastic measures to make it successful. And you never know. I mean, you know, there's enough money. Maybe the money will finally get people hired that do have the brains to make things work, you know, because that's the other that's the other thing. It's like a lot of us know how some things work. But we don't have the resources to be able to implement whatever our strategy is. And the other thing is that even if, and this is really tough because of the the way that our brains work and the and the real incredible minds that I feel are really accessible in podcasting that um, that are doing wonderful things or or have great ideas are the type of people that are not going to give up their life to become an executive at a company that's going to own them. Mm -hmm. And even though they're going to have lots and lots of money, they're not going to be able to have the lifestyle that they choose to have. Like the, and the only people that are going to go for that. Isn't that the opposite of having lots of money? I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying that especially like, even though I really, I'm a huge fan of Apple. I'm a huge fan of Apple. I'm also a, a huge critic of Apple as a whole. But if Apple came to me and offered me something, I'm not sure I'd be able to do it because the company culture, the secrecy, the privacy, the um, the way that everything has to be like, uh, like I would have to be completely disconnected from even being able to possibly do the show. I would I would have to move more likely than not to either coast or wherever it is that that is. Of course, what I'm well, saying. Duh. And so what if that's not like, so they're already, there's people who are not willing to do that. You're what? the only person that I know. I doubt it. You know what? Only- Let's go. I, I don't think so. And that's where I think a lot of Apple people or a lot of these companies are losing the talent because there is innovation. There is talent out there. But a lot of us are not willing to make any kind of uh, the choices that are based on the check. And the amount of hours that you would have to put in to be owned by a company that that is that huge. So I don't think that that's a a good exchange. Depends on the gig you have. If you didn't have anything and they would offer it, of course you would take it because, well, not of course, you would be more, you would have a tendency to take it because you needed a job. Right. Uh, But now, you, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you have an entrepreneur spirit and lifestyle and you wouldn't take that because you are able to make the living that you want to make, set your lifestyle the way you exactly. want to set set without all that. I think that you've also nailed the fact that it's like, I'm a middle-aged woman. I've done all the things. I mean, most of the things. If I was in my 20s, 
Yeah. And I was unattached with no kids. Mm-hmm. I'd probably take it. But then that's also a psychographic that they're hiring. They're hiring a certain type of person. They're not getting diverse thought that is really uh, like really focusing in on how do we serve customers or how do we have somebody on the board that has a diverse point of view, meaning I value these things differently than these things. This isn't really important to me. I like family is more important than anything else. I'd like to have more leave to raise my children, you know, like all of these different things because they're hiring a specific type of person that is willing to put that wherever it is that it goes, right? So it's a different type of person that they're looking for and it's a different part person that's going to say yes. Right, and then as celebrities uh, come out of the main media and come into podcasting and then their audience finds them there and they can be more of their, you know, mm-hmm. more of their honest self yep. than having to worry about what corporate's going to say if I say this or I say that and they can be their honest self, you know, they can build their own company, Megan Kelly started a podcast now. It's it's doing really, really well. And she, you know, if you like her, you're going to be there listening. If you don't, you don't. But she's going to be, be able to make more money. Um, there's another person, Cheryl Atkinson. She was uh, uh, on the news for CNN and headline news and stuff like that. She has one. She says she makes more money now than she ever did in, in the corporate world. So, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity. Cream rises to the top. Always has. Yes. I just think that everyone is celebrating like how great this is for the industry. And I don't think that it is as big of a break as they think it is. Right. That's all. We'll have to see. Wait and see if I'm right. I'm never wrong. But we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's just a feeling I have. It's just a feeling. Okay, bye. Right. Feeling. I mean, that's fine. I had feelings, too. Great. <laughs> Thanks for telling us. I know, right? So shall we um, take it out with um, some tool tips and uh, we can finish off the show. Elsie's tool tips. Okay, taking it out this time with a, um, a little bit of tool tips here, y'all. And this is affordable stuff that you can have or to start to invest in, to take your podcast up a notch in terms of audio gear. So M-Audio has released Mac and iOS, sorry, audio interfaces from from just $49. So what are these little audio interfaces? There are like a, a little, generally like a little hardware box or something that goes in between your microphone, then the little box, and then the computer. Or sometimes it plugs into other things. Um, but that's really what it does. And in these little boxes, it gives you the option to turn the gain up and down, to have like mixed minuses at times. Am I wrong with that, um, John, when it comes to like possibly having a little mix, mix minus added into the mix? Um, also, maybe some some um, adding an addition to like, let's say you and your significant other are recording a podcast and you are having a guest come on and then you guys are both together side by side. Having an audio interface with two XLR inputs helps you both be in separate microphones and then the person can actually hear you on the other end. So that's what audio interfaces usually serve to do. Um, And, you know, they tend to be a little bit expensive sometimes for some folks, for some folks. But now M1 has released some that start at $49, which is an amazing price to be able to look at some of these things. So if you happen to want to up-level your audio right now when it comes to expanding the ability of what you can do and even what microphones you use. So if you have an XLR microphone or you've been wanting to buy an XLR microphone and not have a USB only microphone, this is the time to do it with this little thing in between. I'm smelling like, I hope it's grilled cheese and my girls are not burning down the house. (laughs) Um, And so, but go ahead and invest in that. I'll have a link in the show notes. Now, unfortunately, We lost Jessica, and I'm sad because we don't know what happened. She wasn't able to come back in. If you were watching us live or you are still watching us live, you can actually see that she's not here. And so sorry about that. So um, we will hopefully bring her back next time. Hopefully it wasn't a computer-like funkiness that she can never get back. 
But before we go, I just wanted to tell you that we always have our C Podcast Super Squad. And at the Super Squad, we are really amping up the things that we're offering in there. We have an incredible... Um, we have Q and A's that Jessica and I do weekly in there. Like she goes in one week, I go in another week and we do full on one hour at, at answering every single question you possibly can have in there. We also have going to be having a lot of folks that are experts in the industry coming in there and having conversations that are going to be aimed really specifically to the She Podcast community from all kinds of different places that are adjacent to the podcasting space in um, maybe podcast hosting, web hosting, um, podcast apps, you know, all kinds of things we're going to start to expand out. We also have our partner, Tracy um, DeForge. It goes in there and has coaching sessions every single week for you, like group coaching sessions that she does in there, plus courses. We have like, I think over 50 courses in there, templates and checklists inside of the She Podcast Super Squad. So if you want to join, it is so affordable for all of those things, especially if you're trying to to take it up a notch with your work on podcasting. Go ahead and sign up over at shepodcast.com slash join. And uh, you can be part of the super squad and it's only going to be better and better. So thank you so much. Thanks for sticking around. And we will uh, chat with you next week. Love you. Mean it. Bye. <laughs>